This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Five G has been with us for a while, but aside from higher speeds and maybe better coverage, we haven't gotten a lot of those killer apps we were promised early on. So what happened? I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. With me to discuss this is our resident mobile expert Eli Blumenthal. Welcome, Eli. Thank you for having me back. So, as part of our five G package this week, we looked at the promise of those killer apps and where they are. Eli, just just to set a little bit of context for our listeners, what are some of the really exciting applications of 5G that we were promised that maybe have not quite appeared yet? Sure. So when 5G was first talked about now a few years ago, people or carriers and industry experts talked about the idea of remote surgery, where you can have a surgeon in one location operating on a patient in another location through super low latency networks, or that cars will be fully autonomous, communicating in real time with one another and the road and surroundings around them uh, to navigate and get you from point A to point B. Those, as we look outside today, clearly haven't materialized, or at least haven't materialized just yet in any noticeable capacity. Right, right. And that, I think that's that's sort of the thing. We, we talked about how... This would really be a foundational technology that would power other things like, as you said, self-driving cars, smart cities, um, different kinds of healthcare applications. We've seen, you know, I think one-off trials and tests here and there. I know there are a number of smart cities uh, in operation, although I don't know if they all depend on 5G. But I- I'm curious, what what is the missing ingredient? Like why there's clearly a desire to do this stuff and there's interest in it. Uh, there was a lot of excitement going to the launch of 5G. So why why hasn't some of this stuff appeared sooner? I don't think it's just one missing ingredient. It, I think it's a culmination of a variety of factors. Uh, some of this has to do with the networks themselves. They, AT&T and Verizon, Verizon specifically, put an emphasis on millimeter wave, a super high fast connection that can offer speeds well over a gigabit per second, which is 10, 15x faster than what you were seeing with 4G LTE, which was generally around 100 uh, megabits per second. Those connections, while incredibly speedy, are very limited in range. So a lot of these applications, like self-driving cars, where you have an object that's moving at high speeds across a wide distance, doesn't really work well with a lower range product. So you needed a new type of, a different type of 5G network known as a mid-band. It's a different spectrum. It allows it to have not as fast speeds necessarily, but cover a significantly larger distance. And that's something that T-Mobile has taken a very early lead on and, and a pretty clear lead on in, in the early days of 5G and something that Verizon and AT&T have been working to catch up on. So you have the network side of things. You have the fact that for the last few years, we were in a pandemic and people weren't able to work in the same ways to develop things 
as they have in the past. I, I imagine that probably played a factor as well. And then you also have the regular factor that this is new technology. And things don't just materialize as they would in, you know, Iron Man. There, there's a lot of time and, and R&D and resources that need to be devoted and developed before these things materialize. Absolutely. It was just an interesting, I, I just, as you're talking about this, uh, the dynamic that comes to mind is that, you know, when you said the pandemic, uh, one trend we did see was sort of the explosion of telehealth, right? And telehealth applications. And I, I remember uh, not last year, the year before, 20, no, 2021 CES, which was a virtual thing for us. Uh, I remember I had on, you know, the CEO of Qualcomm, I had on, um, a health professional to talk about some of those health applications. And then while telemedicine did explode, like the, the use of 5G in that was a little muted, which was kind of surprising to me because it, it seemed like 5G would be the, the kind of perfect pipeline for a lot of these, um, these applications. It's certainly would seem that way, and it still very well might be. And there are a variety of, of well-funded companies and organizations in healthcare and other sectors that are focusing on developing new applications that work with these networks. Um, a colleague of ours, David Lum, has a great story up on CNET.com talking about how AT&T has turned on a local 5G network at, a, uh, at the Ellison Institute in Los Angeles to help speed up and uh, to help speed up secure data transfers for cancer research and how in the UK uh, carrier Virgin Media O2 has a private 5G network in a hospital to allow for staff to observe patients and update records faster than they could say on a, a Wi-Fi connection. So you still are getting progress, even if it's not necessarily the flashy remote surgery that was initially hyped. Got it. That, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, it would make sense that, they would start with things like a private 5G network as opposed to surgery. Uh, <laughs> um, small steps, You don't I guess. want to jump to surgery. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You want to take the small steps. You, you, you want to work towards the part where you have to cut open a human. <laughs> exactly. That, that, that sound advice. Um, in general, though, like in terms of like these big advances, whether it's self-driving cars, whether it's drones, uh, smart cities, that stuff. Like, what, When do you think we'll actually see some of these 5G applications, the way they were hyped? Like, When do you think they'll actually show up in any kind of meaningful way? I think over the next few years, we're going to start to see an increase in applications that take advantage of the faster speeds that 5G offers. And I'm not talking about just being in an airport or, or waiting at a bus station and realizing, oh, I probably want to download this TV show or this movie and being able to click a, a, a tap a button on your phone and have that download in a minute or 30 seconds or whatever the case may be. Don't get me wrong. That's still very useful, especially if you're about to go on say a long flight. I think there's a lot of talk right now about augmented reality, these glasses that will allow you to see things overlaid in the world around you. So if you're walking down the street, Google glass type and Google is working one of the companies that has publicly said that they are working on augmented reality glasses. But if you remember back to when Google Glass was a thing for like the 30 seconds that it was, 
the idea that you could be walking down the street instead of looking down at your phone to get directions, it's overlaid in the corner or in front of you, an arrow saying, okay, so at this street, turn left and at this street, turn right. That could be useful if you're watching a sporting event, being able to get, you know, statistics or see what's going on in other games or get different perspectives that I think could be really cool and interesting. And I think augmented reality, those glasses, there's a lot of companies rumored to be doing some interesting stuff there. Apple has been a name that's been floated around for years now. And some of the rumors are that next year, 2023 is when we could start to see that. And as we see some of these new applications come to market, they'll inspire, or I guess the hope is that they'll inspire people to start thinking a little bit differently and start doing things and experimenting. And hopefully that can eventually yield products like how 4G yielded uh, Uber and Lyft and Instagram and changed the way we go about our daily lives today. Yeah, that, that's a really great point because we, I mean, we, we kind of take for granted those kinds of apps, live streaming apps, Uber, Airbnb, but none of that stuff really existed before 4G. And, and I do remember vividly that that first transition from 3g to 4g and we were all kind of wowed by the speeds and that was great and it wasn't for it, it took a little while before that apps and and that kind of ecosystem built up around it to really take advantage of those speeds so it might still be a while before folks really get a handle on how to use 5g once it's actually upgraded uh, I exactly. switch gears. It's, it's incremental it's something that you can't just it's not going to just be turned on like a light switch yeah, I, I want to switch gears a little bit and bring us back to the now, because uh, today AT&T reported its earnings. Uh, how did it fare today? Uh, AT&T had a lot of positives that they were hyping up. They are ahead of schedule on their 5G midband deployment, midband being that important layer of 5G we talked about earlier, where you have um, this much faster speeds compared to 4G while still covering a decent amount of area. And so they were planning initially to cover 70 million people with uh, one version of mid-band known as C-band by the end of 22, 2022. Then earlier this year, they, they walked that back and they were a little more hesitant. And now in July, they've said they've already hit that number. They're already covering 70 million people. And they're now aiming to target 100 million people covered by the end of this year and 200 million people by the end of next year again, with this faster mid-band flavor of 5G. They also added 800,000 subscribers or, or a little over 800,000 subscribers on the wireless side. So that continues to show growth. So they, they had certainly some positives. And that said, uh, you know, the, the company's stock is not doing so great. And, you know, there's this, this company, like others, is facing a lot of economic challenges. Um, just from the, the broader macroeconomic environment. I'm curious if what AT&T said about that. Yeah, there was a lot of concern today about inflation and mm -hmm. about what that might mean for future growth for AT&T and for obviously the, the larger market. Uh, AT&T has noticed that relative to last year, people are paying their bills a day or two later. It's not everybody doing that, but they have noticed a subset of their customer base doing that. And that's a sign that they wanted to put out in front of Wall Street because it does impact how much free cash flow they have. So they lowered the expectation of the amount of cash that they're expecting to have this year. Um, that said, they still are 
relatively bullish overall on this. They're, they're not necessarily downplaying it, but they don't want it to be conceived as a massive uh, concern, or at least the, the executive I spoke with. Um, the executive I spoke with made sure to mention that this these payments are still within their payment terms. Being customers are still paying on time. It's just not as quickly as they were doing before. Right. And then uh, I guess more importantly for our customers or for AT&T's customers, uh, you know, the, the company like Verizon recently raised their prices or their fees. Uh, I'm curious if they talked about further rate increases or further fees or anything in the realm of pricing changes in the coming months. Nothing uh, notable or immediate on that front. Um, the, the price hike that they did have back in May, that was for older plans. They haven't really said anything about changing rates for customers who are on their current plans or on recent plans. It's those who are on significantly older plans that saw their, their prices go up. And that's part of a bid to move people off of older plans, I believe, onto uh, more recent unlimited plans. Okay. All right. And I guess lastly, anything you are keen to see from AT&T, uh, especially in regards to its network upgrades in the coming months? I'm very curious to see what they do. They, they have two different types of midband that they're turning on. They have C-band, which is what we have seen since earlier this year. Uh, it's the midband 5G that Verizon's using as well. And T-Mobile will use next year. It's rolling out in phases. So now that this is finally live, AT&T calls this 5G+. I'm curious to continue to try that out and see how fast this network is. And AT&T also paid $9 billion to buy a, another form of mid-band spectrum. It's similar in its uh, frequency to C-band, but it's a little bit lower. It's uh, known as 3.45 gigahertz spectrum for those at home who want the specifics. Uh, and they, they are turning that on as well, and it should work in conjunction with C-band, assuming you have a device that supports it. And I'm curious to see once they start to really build out this 5G network or continue to build out this 5G network, can they catch up to Verizon and can they catch up to T-Mobile on network performance? T-Mobile has built out a very large lead due in, in decent part to their acquisition of Sprint a couple of years back. Uh, they have a very large lead on 5G. Verizon spent a lot more than AT&T did in that C-band auction, uh, I guess a couple of years back now, and uh, or a little over a year ago. And they have built a larger lead on AT&T. AT&T is closing that gap. Today's announcement marked significant improvements in closing that gap, but they still trail Verizon and T-Mobile in terms of how many people they cover with this version of 5G and even a little bit with performance. So it'll be interesting to see how that gap closes or just in the months ahead. All right. Well, Eli, thank you for your time. You can check out his story on CNET.com. If you have any questions, ping me on Twitter at Roger W. Chang. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.